Are you aware of the fact that a revolution occurred in Christian music in the late 1960s and early 1970s? And are you aware of the fact that it ultimately impacted churches all across America? Stay tuned for the fascinating story. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I want to talk with you today about the revolution that occurred in Christian music back in the late 1960s and early 1970s. And I want to introduce you to some of the people who were involved in that revolution, people who became pioneers of contemporary Christian music. I don't know if you were around in the late 1960s, but it was a very exciting time in the history of modern day Christianity. Shortly after the Six-Day War in Israel in 1968, the Holy Spirit began to move mightily on the hearts of young people all across this nation, including young Jews in their teens and twenties. The result was a massive wave of evangelism that resulted in tens of thousands of young people giving their lives to Jesus. This mighty move of the Spirit came to be called the Jesus Movement. It ultimately impacted churches of all kinds all across America. Worship music before that time was provided almost exclusively by pianos and organs. Suddenly churches started introducing other instruments like guitars and horror of all horrors, drums. Unfortunately this led to church splits when some people dug in their heels and said, you're going to introduce guitars over my dead body. Here's a cartoon from that area that shows an old timer standing up in the congregation to give a message from the Lord. And what is the message? I just got a word from the Lord. He says he's sick to death of guitars and tambourines. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our discussion of the revolution in Christian music that took place in the late 1960s and the early 1970s. One of the Christian leaders who saw the significance of the Jesus Movement and seized onto it at its early stages was Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapel Churches in California. He began reaching out to the thousands of hippies who had migrated to California and started telling them that the greatest high in life was not drugs, but a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They responded with enthusiasm, and he began holding huge baptismal services on the beaches of the Pacific Ocean. Many of these young people had great musical talents, and they were eager to use those talents to praise the Lord. One of those persons was the featured musician at our 2016 Bible Conference. He is a living example of the amazing and miraculous power of God to change lives. The person I'm talking about is Chuck Gerard, a legendary figure in Christian music. Chuck is a singer, songwriter, recording artist, and worship leader. He was also one of the pioneers of contemporary Christian music. When he appeared on the scene in the late 1960s there were basically only two forms of Christian music. There were the Southern Gospel Quartet groups like the Blackwood Brothers, and there were individual singers like George Beverly Shea who specialized in singing hymns. Chuck was born in Los Angeles. He was raised in a legalistic denomination and had burned out on religion by the age of 15. That's when he discovered rock and roll and decided to devote his life to it. In his teens he formed a group called the Castells, 
which had two national top 20 hits. This led to a successful career as a studio singer and musician, which included singing the lead vocals on the Hondells' first two albums and their biggest hit, Little Honda. Aren't these a cool bunch of dudes? In his early 20s, Chuck became disillusioned with life, and like so many in his generation, he began experimenting with drugs. This led to a five-year search for God through LSD, Eastern religion, and a committed hippie lifestyle. His search ended in 1970 at Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa where he found true spiritual reality through accepting Jesus Christ as his Savior. His band members came along with him on this spiritual journey. Previously playing nightclubs, preaching peace and love and LSD, they now had a new way to find God. They now had a new message. And with this change helped blaze the path for the beginnings of what would become known as the Jesus Movement and contemporary Christian music. The group was called Love Salt, and Chuck sang with them for three years before launching a solo career with the first album simply titled Chuck Gerard. It was this album that contained his most renowned song, Sometimes Alleluia. Here is his spiritual mentor, Chuck Smith, telling how he came in contact with Chuck Gerard and his band. Back in 1970, uh, when we were over in the little chapel, and the Lord was working, so many young people were coming out. Uh, these hippies came in, <laughs> long hair, beards, and uh, they said, um, we have a... <laughs> yeah, he basically said, can I help you? <laughs> and they said, we're musicians, and uh, we uh, got saved here just a short time ago, and the Lord's been giving us some uh, Christian songs, and we'd like to share them if we could here uh, for the, you know, the young people. And I looked at them and I thought, <laughs> it'll save just a few weeks, and uh, so I, I wanted to be, you know, sort of safe, and so I said, uh, could you um, play something for me? And so they went out to the old van, and uh, Volkswagen van, and they, uh, <laughs> they brought in their guitars and all, and uh, they started to play. And as they started to play, the spirit Spirit just touched my heart, and I said, "Tonight we've got this is Monday night. We've got a uh, young people's gathering tonight, and uh, how about tonight?" <laughs> and uh, and so they said, "Well, one of our guys is doing weekends in jail for a ma marijuana rap." <laughs> Not to point him out, they've all done it, you know. <laughs> they've all been arrested. And <laughs> but they said he gets off at noon, so we probably could play tonight. 
So that was the beginning of uh, the music, but the song that they played that just really touched my heart was Welcome Back. I love that story, and I love the great heart of Chuck Smith who has gone home to be with the Lord. I asked Chuck Gerard to sing that song, Welcome Back, for us at our Bible conference, and he agreed to do so. Here now is Chuck Gerard singing his song, Welcome Back.
Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our discussion of the revolution in Christian music that took place in the late 1960s and the early 1970s. While Chuck Gerard and others like him who had come out of the hippie movement were creating new forms of Christian music in California, the same thing was happening in the central United States in Cincinnati, Ohio, where young hippie Jews were accepting Jesus, or Yeshua as they called Him, as their Messiah. One of those young Jews was Joel Chernoff, who was a very gifted songwriter and singer. He and a Jewish friend of his formed a group called Lamb. And Joel began to create a whole new genre of music called Messianic. I had the privilege of interviewing Joel back in 2007. And in that interview he told about how the great move of the Holy Spirit occurred in the late 1960s following the Six Day War in 1967. Here is an excerpt from that interview. How do you explain this sudden explosion of, of Messianic Judaism after the Six Day War in that, in that period of time? Was there a, a change in the way that people began to approach Jews to try to bring them to Yeshua? Why so many Jews suddenly coming to Yeshua? Well, you know, uh, there is something called Christ in Prophecy. Prophecy, which is this show, this is what this <laughs> show is all about. The latter days, if the Scripture says, the prophets say, a couple of major things would tell us we, we have passed into the period called the end of days. The restoration of physical Israel, which took place in 48, 1948. And then God prophesied through many of His prophets, God, He would pour out His Spirit once again upon the dry bones of Israel, my people's bones. And that started to happen in 1967. Dave, nobody can take any credit for it, but there wasn't any grand plan by any ministry or any great speaker that simply lit the fire. No, it was simply time in God's plan, the latter days, before He comes back to begin to pour out His Spirit. Because doesn't the Scripture say that the Messiah isn't coming back until the Jewish people say, Blessed is He who comes in the name, name of God, the Lord. Absolutely. And Jesus so Himself said that. Jesus Himself said That's that. Exactly I will not right. come back until they say, Baruch HaBab Hashem Adonai, Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. That's, that's exactly right. So, that must happen first. And that began in 67. God just out of nowhere in the, in the Jesus people revival of that time, very quietly. That was, that was the most important outpouring of the Spirit since the first century. Absolutely. Why? Because it included our people well, uh, by Joel, the tens of thousands. Uh, you're, you remind me of the prophecy in Joel 2 uh, verse 28, the right. book named after you. That's right. It's it says, after and it will That's come right. about after this that I will pour out My Spirit on all mankind. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions, even on the male and female servants. And I will pour out My Spirit in those days. But the key is that mm -hmm. for it will come about after this that I'm going to, well after what? You back up and the rest of the thing is talking about the return of the Jews to the That's land right. and the reestablishment of their state. And it says, after that I'm going to pour out My Spirit, this great That's right. And, and when 1948 the state was reestablished. And you know it's amazing to me that one year later in May of 1949 a young man that nobody had ever heard of was holding a, a tent revival in Los Angeles. And that revival grew every day, greater and greater and greater, until finally Randolph Hearst, who drove by every day in his limousine, couldn't stand any longer. He said, I got to find out what this is. He's a newspaper man. So he goes in, sit on the back row, and the next day he sends a telegram to the Hearst media, which was the media of the United yeah, States, and it true. said, Puff. Graham. That's all it said. The next day thousands of reporters descend on that tent and the ministry of Billy Graham took off like a rocket, mm, touching right. more people around the world than any yeah. ministry since that time. And, and it's 
Here it is. After the Here Jews established right. in the land. And there's been many, many outpourings of the Spirit since then. But see, this is good news, really. Absolutely. Because you know, if this is true, and it is, of course, God is pouring out a Spirit upon us, the dry bones of Israel. God Amen. is breathing on us again. This is good news for all of the families of this earth because God says in the book of Joel, I will pour out my, my Spirit upon all flesh. Okay. Paul, okay. Paul actually says that if by the cutting off of some of these natural branches, all of this has happened, what will be the story when the natural branches are grafted back into their own tree? What, what does he say? Life from the dead. Right. Hey, that's good news. <laughs> that is good news. All of the nations can say hallelujah for that. So you are in effect saying that this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit and this uh, as evidenced in many ways, one way being a large number of Jewish people coming to Yeshua. Huge number, yes. Is an evidence that we're living in the end times. It's Abs an evidence absolutely. of the soon return of the Messiah. Clear sign. That's a clear sign. The restoration of Israel spiritually was to only happen in the final days, the last days. This is an in-game play here. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our discussion of the revolution in Christian music that occurred in the late 1960s and early 1970s when there was a great movement of the Holy Spirit among young people in this nation, a phenomenon that came to be known as the Jesus Movement. Joel Chernoff was not only one of the leaders of this revolution, he was also the inventor of modern day Messianic music. When I interviewed him back in 2007, I asked him to tell me how that came about. So I took the pop sound of the day, which is something that I was very attached to, I loved it. And then I said, let's take some of the older Jewish feels, minor feels and minor keys, and put that together with that feel, the modern feel. And out came the first album, the Lamb album, uh, and, and all those songs. I kind of like wrote songs in oh, 69 and 70 and 71. And then in 72, the first album was actually done. And really, Dave, we didn't know if anybody would even care. <laughs> we, we didn't know, well, how in the we world didn't did you know ever find anybody to publish these songs? I mean, that, well, it, it, it was crazy. We came out with the album. Recognize the other partner in the group. What was his name? Co Coghill, Rick Cog Coghill. Okay. He's a guitarist. He played with James. So Brown Lamb was basically two of you and of some uh, studio a, musicians. That's right. I was the singer and the song the songwriter and so forth. And so we came out with this album, and we and we got an invitation in the Chicago area, and we came and we sang before four thousand people. It was our first it was our first concert, our first thing. <laughs> first concert, yeah, four thousand. I, I was scared to death, but there were four thousand kids there, and we sang five or six of those songs off that first album, and bam. Yeah. The people, the kids went crazy. <laughs> they practically bought all of our thousand albums out the first night. And we were the number one group in the Chicago area for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then it started to spread from there. And look, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't plan it. We were on WMBI, um, Moody, Moody's uh, right. station. And they just loved the Sacrifice Lamb and Baruch Hashem. And, and it was going all over the place. So, I mean, this was something God did. We did not plan it out. We did not have great agents and managers, and, and we, no, we didn't. This was a spontaneous move of God's Spirit. He just took whatever talent was there, and we came out with the sound, and that popularized 
domestic sound. For the next seven or eight years, we were in the top three or four groups in the country, Christian groups, uh, and then here's this Messianic group in the top five. Where Albums are always number two, number three, number four in the country. There were kids all over the country catching on to it. They didn't know what it was, <laughs> and they didn't know what that sound was. Hebrew, some of them thought it was tongue, some of them thought, they didn't know, but they liked it. All I knew is it made, made me want to dance. It really <laughs> did. Every time I would hear you, your, your music, it made me want to get up and dance. You're a dancer, aren't you? You're really a dancer. <laughs> Well, I, I make very expressive and worship, well, that's and I, good. I just want to worship good. the Lord, well, you know. Lord. And, and I, I, uh, so uh, messianic Jewish music thing. helps. What makes music messianic? Well, it's it's a couple of things. One is the the uh, the actual sound of it. Yes. Uh, There's a certain rhythm uh, well, to a lot rhythm, of Jewish songs. Aren't rhythm, there? the dance, the Eastern Europe, European dance, the Middle Eastern mm -hmm. feels, minor keys, oftentimes, okay. and then sometimes. Um, it can just be the the lyric yes. is very Jewish in the place it's coming from. And so you feel like this is very, very messianic, even if the music is in a major key all the way through, but it feels, you, you kind of feel it coming out of the scripture. And so there's different things that, that can cause it to uh, be a part of it. But not every song I did was straight out Messianic, I was doing some like rock and roll in there too. But as far as everybody was concerned, this was a new genre. <laughs> they never heard this before. And folks, what a sound it was. Let me give you an example. Here is Joel Chernoff singing one of the greatest songs he's ever written, The Year of Jubilee. Sound the trumpets everywhere, all throughout the land. Follow my Sacrifice, are we here standing free? It is the 
chaise bancaire, plein de chassis où est maintenant Cette capice brise d'un cumul tube story of how contemporary Christian music began in the late 1960s and early 1970s. There were of course many other individuals and groups involved, people like Andre Crouch and the Disciples, the Archers, and the Pat Terry Group. And speaking of Pat Terry, he wrote one of my favorite contemporary Christian music songs called, I Can't Wait. The words go like this, I can't wait to see Jesus in His glory as He bursts from the sky. I can't wait to be held in His arms and see the glimmer in His eye. I can't wait to hear trumpets because I know what they mean when they sound. I can't wait to cast off my burdens and feel my feet leave the ground. I can't wait to see Heaven and to walk those streets of gold. I can't wait to check into my mansion and get my sleeping bag unrolled. Tell me how it's going to be. Read it from the Bible again. I can't wait to see Jesus because Jesus is coming again. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope, the Lord willing, you will be back with us next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Dr. David Reagan's book, Living on Borrowed Time, presents a sweeping overview of the signs of the times that point to the imminent return of Jesus to this earth. It also contains a prophetic forum in which 22 Bible prophecy experts respond to 11 questions about the signs of the times. Some of the experts include David Hawking, Jack Kinsala, Jan Markell, Ron Rhodes, Bill Salas, Gary Fisher, Nathan Jones, and Tim LaHaye. The book can be yours for a donation of $20 or more, and that includes the cost of shipping. To order a copy, call the number you see on the screen between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m., Monday through Friday, Central Time, or go to our website at lamblion.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 